Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hello, Chris Chafin. I am your host as well, Caleb Shively. Hey, you know, Caleb, it's just great to talk to you here on... uh, I was going to make it a segue, but I'm just going to say it's great to talk to you, man. Nice nice to talk to you, brother. It's great to uh, be in the month of February uh, and enjoy films and enjoy talking about Films, films, yeah. Look, look, Caleb, you can maybe fool other people, but I know you're deflecting from connecting with me on an emotional level, and you know, I just want to say that that's okay. But you know, I'm here for you, all right? I mean, it's not just you. I I have a a, an emotional withdrawal, a blank (laughs) slate, uh, me against the world attitude. How I how I roll. Every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk to you about two movies. One of them is old and one of them is new, and they're related like our actions and our motivations. Would you say, Caleb? Hmm, they are so much so, yes. Uh this week we're talking about uh two of uh the like I I'm pausing because I'm just so astounded by how great these directors are. Uh uh, current movie, current director, one of the best working day, Asghar Farhadi. His new movie, A Hero, just hit Amazon. Uh, excited to talk about that. I saw it in the theaters. It's still in theaters as well. Uh, you can watch on Amazon or go to a theater if you're cool. We're pairing that up with a foundational director, in my opinion, uh, Robert Bresson, and uh, one of his more, for lack of better words, Bressonian films, <laughs> <laughs> Pickpocket uh, from 1959. Yeah. Yes, uh, shit, dog. I would say out of all his films, which I haven't seen every single Brisson film, but uh, Pickpocket is uh, is where where it's at. Beck, I have I agree with you a hundred percent, and I would say more, but I'm gonna save it for the part of the show where we're talking about that movie because um, it's just part of the stuff I want to say. Um, that's all this week. We talked about them both, right? You said them both? Yes, I said them both. Fantastic. <laughs> That's all this week on Actually, Best Choice. Movies! Um, but before we get to any of that, Caleb, so we're talking about two movies this week that are basically like morality plays, kind of. But kind yeah, these, of not, but kind of. You know. Oh, yeah, these two uh, directors uh, specifically deal with more... Yeah, morals, uh, the gray area of right and wrong, or even just what black is and what white is, and just uh, as regards to morals. And as far as like moralistic movies, uh, like like their non-action films, uh, what's more of a character study where the plot stems from the uh, actual characters. And that should be true of most films, but it's more pronounced in, uh, when we look at the actual morals and the choices, the moral choices uh, a character makes. And, uh, you know, uh, I would, uh, I recommend, I said we should do a uh, hero just cause I loved it when I saw it and it just hit Amazon, uh, and, uh, outside press on, which is, we went with the big guy, big boy, but, uh, uh, we, I am uh, always calling Brisson the big boy, by the way, if um, I can just say, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also said we, there's uh, movies of Eric Romare. I, uh, he works in that genre a lot of his, another French new wave director, but I would say his films are more, uh, relation morals when you're in a relationship. Well, this uh, is the we, whole, like, I mean, Godard is about this, too. I mean, this is, in a way, the whole French New Wave was about this thing, right? This kind of, like, 
like in, very self-consciously intellectual, like moral philosophy, like nihilism, you know, showing sure, yeah. the corruption of society and the hollowness of capitalist modernity, like that kind of stuff. Very much movies made by like, you know, 25 year olds or whatever, or at least spiritually 25 year olds. I think was Brisson older. I think he was he older when he made this movie. I actually don't uh, know. See, he, he was in his uh, 40s. 50s. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah, and he, uh, I mean, he's, uh, this is actually his first, one of his first films that he actually worked off of his own script, he used to, like, adapted, like, uh, uh, Joan of Arc or uh, other old novels, too, uh, just to look at the morals, that choices there, but yeah, I mean, that's true of a lot of French movies, but I think it's more pronounced in uh, the work of Bresson, where it's, uh, the experimental choices are more uh, about uh, removing things other than like the flourishes it's more about uh the uh actual like what's affecting a character and like just stripping things of like what we actually see the characters do and there is still like uh if uh going to this day I just talk about other moral filmmakers and i would say we did a, a darden brothers movie uh, uh like two years ago or so um uh, we did young ahmed but i think the darden brothers uh, oh, yeah. another like uh great team of, of directors who are just doing this like oh there's characters making drastic choices and i mean they're more on like uh wealth and poverty which not to say that these directors will touch up but they are more doing that too and speaking of brothers and moralistic choices uh i would say in hollywood the cohen brothers do that quite oh, consistently sure, yeah. and it's awesome and that uh we don't look at them we just make us like oh they make fun good movies and like oh what are they about like oh yeah uh an idiot uh like i don't know they have a a, a, a guy who gets like plot of a hero is a guy who gets money and uh does makes a choice from it and that happens in uh coen brothers movies uh even like in uh, scorsese to an extent uh just another hollywood guy who like takes does the opposite of what Brisson does and adds so many floors and so much excess and it's uh another example like pickpocket is about pickpocket and I don't know. He does Scorsese does gangsters and looks at their morals. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, um, it's I mean it's a certain strain of art of 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 all time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, things that are basically about you know what is the right thing to do? What does it mean to be a human being? What is the point of being alive? And mm -hmm. I mean, although I would say the um, Farhadi movie is a little more like explicitly political. I I think it is in general a morality play but i think it, it is particularly about like modern iranian society you know yeah it, it can be it, can't, it doesn't have to be about either or it could be about both that's true i mean uh, not, of course it is like be, yeah. it is it does have a lot of big things to say about humanity or whatever but i think it's also like kind of a critique of the current situation in, in iran you know or the society yeah, I mean, and, and uh, not yeah. as like a dumb you know, because he obviously has a unique perspective because he is a, he is Iranian and these are the people that he's, you know, that's part of the society that he's part of. It's I feel like a lot of times you, it's not hard to find a movie that's critical of Iran, but it's usually from a Western perspective, right? This is very interesting in that it's from the inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is actually the second uh, Farhadi movie we did. We did a uh, separation uh, just uh, uh, last year, I believe we did it, was yeah. uh, The Killing of Two Lovers. Uh, which, yeah, uh, it was called A Separations, was called A Hero, so he loves using the letter A to start his movies, which is not entirely true except for those two movies. Yeah, right. But then even uh, the other one, what, what's the other one? The Salesman. The Salesman. Which also right. which is a, a short article, not a, uh, it's not A, but it's the, <laughs> you know, it's the same general idea. Yeah. Um, but uh, with 
uh, like you said, these moral tales. There's also like you could make like comedies are based off of moral tales, but there's like a, just such a like it's a, such a foundational like vague thing like morals. Uh, yeah. So like a filmmaker can really attach themselves to it. Like I just mentioned, like the Coen Brothers and Scorsese and Eric Romare. Uh, like it's a way to really find your voice as a director. Like you're playing with an audience's expectations. Like you're leading their expectations, like through music and all these storytelling choices. This right, this wrong, and then like you can, as we're about to talk about, like even like bring politics in it to like for Hottie does or like how Romare de, uh, or uh, how Brisson, uh just like just does completely new things for at the time he did completely crazy stuff. Um, and it helps us investigate those morals uh, in a more other than right and wrong sense, more of a, oh, hey, that's something more gray area. And I always appreciate uh, the gray uh, because that's where actual conversation in the world happens because I, I, I choose to believe most things in this world are gray areas in general. There's also exceptions, of course. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree, Caleb. Should we get it? You want to move on? You want to talk about these movies? Let us do it. All right. So the first movie we're going to talk about is 2022's A Hero. A Hero is the new film from Iranian director Ashkar Farhadi. It, he was also the director, like we were saying, of A Separation and The Salesman. Uh, a Hero was the winner of the Grand Prix at the Cannes Festival last year. So yeah, 2021, I guess. Uh, it's a slippery, tense movie that's constantly changing shape, uh, even as, it is, as it's always tightening the, the emotional screws on you. Um, it stars Amir Jadidi as Rahim, and it starts off as a kind of time-limited, crime-adjacent, stressful movie, a kind of like Persian good time, where like Rahim is out on furlough from debtor's prison, and he has just two days to try to pay off his debt or get it forgiven, or he goes back to jail for 10 years. Okay, great. Sounds like a great movie. Okay, well, that movie only lasts like 20 minutes. And then, you know, no, he cannot get his debt paid off. So he decides to find the rightful owner of these gold coins that his girlfriend found, which they were going to sell to get the money, but then it wasn't enough money. And then they decided to just find whoever's gold coins they were and give them back. Um, but though he happens to be doing this in prison and the warden overhears and it sees it, uh, a human interest story. And, you know, a man in debtor's prison returns money, right? You can see the headlines, right? So suddenly we're in a kind of like media satire where it's like Rahim is being going on TV news and he's getting interviewed by the newspaper. And it's like everybody's just telling him to lie, even though he's they want him because he did something like he told the truth, basically. But everybody's just telling him to lie about it. And he's kind of going like, I don't know, should I be doing this? And you're like, OK, well, that's what the movie is now. And then it changes shape again because it becomes a much more pointed and fucked up and very deeply stressful um, kind of general look at Iranian society. I mean, in, in interviews, Farhadi has said this movie is basically about what, what does it mean when society makes someone a hero and what is society trying to say by making someone into a hero? Uh, and that's kind of what we're, we're getting at. Like, what is it like everybody's projecting different things onto him. And in the meantime, his life is completely destroyed. Um, I love this movie, Caleb, but I also found it like extremely hard to watch. Um, how, how did you feel about it? 
Oh yeah, I loved it. I think I brought it up when I was talking about our year end episode, uh, just because uh, it's, it's a movie that everyone should go watch. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's whatever. Chris is great. You know, uh, he talked about a lot of like plot turns that happened, and it's all important to the film. Like, he, it's, it's it, there's even more that happened. Like, he stopped he stopped himself not to spoil it because everything that happens in this movie is really important to the plot of what happens next to the movie. It's, it's amazing. great and just a great script. Uh, but it's also a movie about uh, presenting facts and how we can find truths within selecting certain facts, which is a very timely thing in the world. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's about like real... social media too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I was, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There are really like no heroes and villains in this movie. Uh, the title, a hero, which uh, Chris said, it's like the perception of a label that we give Raheem. Sure. So we're like tilting the movie as such as uh, an investigation of the concept of a hero or being noble itself. And uh, through Rahim, uh, who is an imperfect person trying to escape a trap he finds himself in, uh, and his circumstances keep shifting, we see that character scramble. And some of those circumstantial shifts are from his own pride and selfishness. And some of it's from Rahim himself deciphering what is right and wrong and choosing a path. Also, some of those circumstances are out of his control and, like Chris just said, from the internet. Uh, the internet, quick to praise and quick to backlash, which is, again, to, very yes. timely. Quick yeah. rise and even quicker fall, right? Yeah. yeah it's it's a, a, the milkshake, milkshake duck. duck. It's a milkshake yeah. duck, except that, like, you know, it's not like he was hiding anything exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a very tight, very tight situation. <laughs> yeah. He kept to keep doubling down. Like, okay, he gets caught in a line and like, go, like say like, well, like, don't tell that person. And it's like all like, well, that, yeah, everything is so planned out in this movie. Everything, it is funny because everything, just the plot is so, it seems to be in a certain way a very loose movie, but in the plot is very tight. Like, like you were saying, everything leads exactly to the next thing and everything is being like, foreshadowed and referenced you know constantly in the movie it's always like mm -hmm. planting little seeds and giving you doubts and worries and that is that is what the movie's about too because mm -hmm. it's like this person rahim it's like is he trustworthy and a good person or is he not trustworthy and a good person you know and you kind yeah. of keep changing your mind about it we could talk well, to not to not to spoil things uh, but we could talk about like uh, the beginning of the film because i think that's uh establishes the film and then it gets to a point where it's like things just move certain fast uh, and i did like the uh, opening of this film a lot like uh it starts off with him leaving he's on leave for prison for two days uh and it's just him walking for a while and it shows him going up these like immaculate steps of a construction site it takes so long <laughs> uh, uh he also misses a bus but it like shows like his luck in that like oh he the person he's looking for is at the top of this Thing he has to climb all these steps for it shows his commitment uh it shows perhaps there's an uphill battle in store for him it also just shows the actual pace of the film we're in for like a, a slower not actually thing um it's great i love it um and then uh his girlfriend's happy to see him uh and uh you know he's like a little guy's down on his luck he's like just coming out of prison but everyone's like says hi to him and like is happy to see him and you're, you're rooting for rahim and uh, shout course. out to the act actor uh, amir dadidi oh uh, my god Big, big smiles the whole time. He's a very likable presence. And the movie builds off of his performance. Extremely good looking, yeah. right? You know, mm -hmm. 
but he looks so he just looks so like downtrodden the whole movie like everybody's always like yelling at him and telling him he's stupid or he's like somehow something bad is happening that's totally out of his control and he doesn't know what to do about it mm-hmm. and it just it's so sad the way he is pushed around by events you know that have really nothing to do with him and and we feel for him and we like oh man we got what this guy just needs a break how oh, we love him and uh, you know uh so with that we also are uh with our pre-established bias there, like we get a little like, oh, we don't like the guy who put him in jail, which is this creditor in uh, uh, Iran. You get, uh, if you don't owe a debt to someone, they could have the right to put you in jail. Um, so we have this built-in bias against this man. And there's like an early scene where it's a phone call uh, where they're pleading with uh, this guy. His name's is Baram. Uh, like, hey, we have some money. Please let him out of jail. But like uh, Baram wants all the money. And like, I remember he called him a, a jerk with a hang down look. Uh, and, you know, Raheem is like rightfully humiliated, which, you know, goes more into like putting one on her side. Like he is a debt. Uh, he's sick of being in prison. And then they uh, introduce his son, who is another thing. His oh, son has God. a, a yeah. stutter. He gets in fights at school. Terrible it's, speech it's, impediment. It's, yeah. oh, it's it's tough to watch. And like, this is all at the beginning of the film. And like, you're all in on like this guy. Uh, and then the good deed happens <laughs> which is um, yeah. interesting, uh, Very interesting. Uh, to talk about <laughs> yeah so i mean we can talk about it a little i mean can we talk about it the, at least what the good deed i mean i said it already he decided yeah, he to get these it, coins so back yeah. so they have these coins basically the deal is you know his his girlfriend has these coins and we at first i think that they're hers but then eventually come we find out that like she found them somewhere and mm-hmm. it which is really interestingly played because we just assume they're hers and there's all these scenes of like Raheem's family implying that he stole them or something and Raheem's being really indignant and we as the audience are like indignant because we know whose it is but we know for some reason he can't tell them about his girlfriend so he keeps just saying like oh it's a friend of mine and they're like oh really okay you know but then it turns out like they were not hers (laughs) you know what I mean and that she's found them somewhere you know Mm -hmm. and so that's an interesting turn that happens very early in the movie and, and yeah, and they try selling them. Uh, the The price of gold went down because gold changes every hour is what they say. Um, so they don't sell them because it's not enough money anyway. So he says, just let's give them back. He does make a good decision there. He like right, He's like he a big good guy. Uh, he does it in maybe a, a way we learn that is louder than he should have. Because at the same time, like, just do a good deed. And, uh, you know, just do a good deed and, like, don't expect things. And the thing just is, too, but I, what I thought was so interesting about this scene, not to, I'm not to interrupt you, but just because I don't want to move past, like, when he makes the decision to give the coins back, and, and me, as an audience member, I was thinking, like, Raheem, you fucking idiot, what are you doing? You just need to keep the money. Like, you're making so much trouble for yourself. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? And then it turns out it ends up in this much later in the movie, ends up in this thing where it's like suddenly he's like a celebrity basically for giving the money back. Oh yeah, so yeah, to get to there, uh, so um, uh, he puts it through uh, the prison gets wind of it because he puts the prison's number because that's where he's located. That's how he gets in contact with the thing back. But anyway, the prison gets a hold of it, of his good deed and uh, there's some bad press about the, the prison recently, so the prison wants some good press, of, so they make some good press about their prisoner uh, and we get a snowball from there. We get a snowball situation where, you know, a, a charity then gets involved and starts a fun for him because he looks like a good person. And then the news comes in and uh, gives him a, 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 a little, uh, he becomes a weird celebrity. I think they say like 10 million people watched me. Uh, yeah, right. uh, and 
on his uh, news uh, thing, he mentions that he did have a guarantor that put him in jail. Uh, so, you know, that also leads into introducing uh, Barham to character. Because at this point, we're not, he's off screen oh, as yeah. a presence. We don't even get to know. He looks and great. I love how ba- he looks like Manny Patinkin in Homeland. Yeah, he does look like Manny Patinkin. Yeah. Uh, kind of balder, gr- gr- more grunchy. It's an uh, amazing hairy, gray beard. Person. Yeah, right. And he is, um, uh, this person we're to believe is a bad person, is uh, uh, immediately grouchy. Uh, but, and I think this is why, a uh, part of why I love the film, like, always reasonable like right. he has yeah. good reason like Raheem's did a good deed sure people went in on the press people went in on this good deed he did the press the prison uh it's great uh sure but Barham was like fuck that he owes me 150 million dollars and like they're offering him like oh yeah the charity I wrote this down the charity donation all this charity that they gave him uh raised money for him uh is, is was 35 million right uh yeah. he's owed 150 he's like what does that million. do me yeah. Like what good and is by that? the way, this just to, this is like four thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, we should say that. But still, it's, I mean, it's like, a lot of money. And owed a, a a a ton of money. And yeah, it like, is crazy. But I mean, yeah. you do hate him. I mean, you hate you hate him because he's yeah. like everybody is. You you really want things to work out for Rahim. He's finally catching a break. He's gonna get to get out of jail. Except for this one asshole is being so so mean and small minded <laughs> to him. This is why you know? uh, I also like this one because like I. I kind of did hate him because, like, sure, like he, what he, because they give a, they give him a lot of sentences to say. Like he says, he makes a point. Like if he accepted that seventy million initially, uh, which is more than the thirty five million they're giving him, there would have been uh, no, no gold or anything. Yeah, yeah. There's no but be no story. He also makes the point that, uh, like I was just saying, uh, he just did the right thing, <laughs> and he even says like I did a good deed by Do giving I... him money in the first place. Do I get a certificate? Are... We give a certificate to everyone who doesn't <laughs> steal. You know, these are all like. He's just saying it in a mean way, yeah. which sure that sucks. But, but you whatever. see everybody still... every, when he says it, everybody in the room is kind of because they've been like really yelling at him. And when he starts saying yeah. that, everybody's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I mean that's a pretty good point." Yeah, uh, and there is like a weird, I don't maybe not weird, but there's a ceremony uh, where like Raheem gets a certificate and he brings his son on, who gives him some money because uh, he was like, "I want to help this donation to my dad." Uh, oh, he started his so always through that sentence. And it's so uh, funny too the way that scene plays out. I mean, not, I'm just ruining the whole child. movie. But the way it works out is like, because you we know the audience know he has this terrible speech impediment, and we're also I again this is me I over identify with characters and things. So Rahim is on stage, and you're like, things are going well. He's probably going to get out of jail. He had to do this interview where you just saw him lie a bunch, and this is the other thing that is like, so you kind of know Rahim is. He's honest, but he seems to up to a point, right? And suddenly he's in this situation where he's being interviewed on TV and he's being called upon to like lie about stuff. And you see him beforehand. He's like, hey, you know, this isn't like exactly what happened. And the warden is just like, well, look, you gave the money back, right? Like if you gave the money back, don't worry about the rest. You know, everything else is fine. And so then we see that. So uh, you're kind of thinking like, well, is Raheem going to be like savvy enough to like get through knowing how to lie on TV about, but then we see the new segment and he's like lying his ass off, like very convincingly, which again is one of the, you're like, Oh, huh? Like I kind of didn't think he would be good at that, but then he is like actually very good at it. And then you see him in this, at this event and you're like, Oh God, he's going to have to lie more. And like, he's going to get himself deeper in this shit. And then you, they're like, Oh, like, let's have your son say something. So he kind of gets through his part. Okay. And they're like, Oh, let's have your son say something. And you're kind of like, Oh God, but his son, he can't talk. Like his son's going to like have a fucking like panic attack or something. Or, you know, I don't know. Someone's going to make fun of him. 
but instead it's like he makes everybody in the room start bawling crying <laughs> and then they're like taking money out of their pockets and like throwing it in the collection bin and like women this woman is, takes her bracelet off and throws it in and like it's very yeah. funny. I was very funny and very there's well done. So many lies he's keeping track of. Uh, and there's even just like subtle lies too that he would do. Uh, like he suddenly changed his story from uh, the gold dealer that the, said the prices went down. He changes that to uh, the gold dealer's calculator did not work. But then that did happen, right? I mean, it did happen. No, the, the pen part did because his pen also didn't, didn't work. work. Yeah, <laughs> so but he, he brings that up too. But yeah, the pen didn't work, but his calculator was working. Uh, but yeah, using that child, which is uh, uh, not to get too ahead, but like it does come up again. Uh, how the, this depiction of the child, um, but yeah, uh, he also gets offered a job at this thing. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna get you th- out of this prison. We're gonna have to get you work. Um, and at the job, I think that's when uh, we'll start watching our spoilers a little bit here, because uh, yeah. that's when the uh, story begins to unravel. Because at the job, there's just a basic level of fact checking. <laughs> Like the heart of the matter. I is don't true. know. No, I mean, I didn't think that. Did at all. I didn't think that it would be a basic level. What are you talking about? A basic I'm level of back checking. Uh, they, they like force the guy who the guy who is his. Well, this is an okay, okay, okay. okay. He checks facts. That's he, basically. Okay, well, Caleb, have you ever at point, have you ever at a job interview had to bring in five witnesses to verify something that you said? Have you had I to was, like rope in like members of your family and complete strangers in order to like for them to believe what you're telling them? Like, I assume if I uh, got it based off of a merit of a story that no one actually verified. <laughs> but this is where I think the movie gets... Like, no one actually, like, ver- like no one actually, like, met this person or, like, so saw you, that this story is actually... So you thought no this was reasonable, the way this guy behaved, that he asked for all these... How, and then he... How is it, how is it not? Because <laughs> he's being, like, such a prick. He's being such a prick about it. No, he's not. He's asking for, like, hey, uh, because of the internet... Because of all these rumors, yeah. If the story is true, just no. like, yeah, you can prove that. Well, see, this which, is where which is like all he needed to do was actually like prove it, and, yeah, uh, yeah. through circumstances where he couldn't. Uh, but also, like he did, also double die down on on several lies and made yeah, it worse. Right. He had to. He was backed into a corner. He had no choice. You know, um, he was going to go to fucking jail for ten years otherwise, right? Um, but like, but it does stem from like he just couldn't. He didn't get the. Uh, name or address or any information from the woman who gave, he gave the money back to. I did think uh, that at the time when it happened in the movie, I was like, that's not good that they didn't get And it. that's where like the, the fact checking just falls apart because she can verify the story. And now she, but also like, we know that it did happen. Like he did give the money back. And so like, we're watching him grill this guy and, and his sister and his children and his nieces and, you know, and the cab driver. And we know that everything they're saying is true. So it is like, you know, this is what I was going to say before. So this is where another kind of interesting turn in the movie happens is. Yeah. It's not everything they say is true. Just not most, everything. Like the actual the essential the, thing he gave the them. The heart like, of the matter is true. The he heart of the matter is true. Because it was the right thing to do. Uh, but the rumors spread about his reputation as a whole countered into uh, what was happening. He also uh, doesn't do himself any favors by getting mad at his well, yeah, uh, guarantor. Yeah. I'm saying the, there's so many things that start to unravel. Yeah. Uh, just through this, but wait, this is, wait, 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 this is what I want to say. This is what I want to say. Um, what starts happening around this time in the movie that I also thought was very interesting is you start hearing the people that up until now have just been, uh, villains like the guarantor or the, um, the boss guy, right. They start saying stuff like, 
well, the regime just builds you up in order to make people forget about the suicide or to, you know, to think that everything is perfect here, but it's not. And so you start to think like, oh, okay, like actually if I were in Iran, I would be one of these bad, I would be one of the villains. Like I am one of these people because it's like, yeah, okay, he, they're right. And then that, that is what is happening for the rest of the movie is people in the regime are using him to make or the current society in Iran seem good. And so like they are right about that, but it yeah. makes them doubt everything. It's I, this is what I think is really interesting. And like an interesting social mm-hmm. media commentary is like that impulse, which is correct, makes them distrustful of, of everything to such a degree that things that are true, they refuse to believe. And there's literally nothing you could do to convince them. So it's like, it's very interesting because he's not saying yeah. it's good or bad. He's, yeah. you know. I don't think that makes them villains. I just think that no, makes I them agree. Yeah, uh, I agree. part of a, a, a societal problem, right? which it's is like of, society's the real villain when here. When society is, is constructed in this way that you literally can't trust anything that you ever hear. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're acting for just actual, they ask for reasonable things. Like, well, I, I didn't really think they were being too out of hand with what they were doing. Um, and also, like to to like we said, I can't get I over. You really didn't think he was being out of hand. There was literally five people, including two children, in this room, and they were all all the people that were involved in this incident, and they were all saying what exactly what happened. And he was like, "Oh, I don't believe it." Yeah, he said, he could no, he because he said like I asked, he asked for a certain thing to prove it, and they couldn't provide that. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which is like, reasonable. but it's like okay, but he had, it's like. First he asked for one thing, then he asked for another thing, and then he asked for another thing. He just kept asking they, for things because until... they couldn't provide the initial things. Well, no, what I'm saying is like he they were let's say he asked for nine things, they provided him eight things, and the ninth one they couldn't give him, and he's like, I don't think they did to provide him of uh, uh, the uh, first thing. Like he said, they just said like, yeah, just get the women down here. That's all, all he wanted was like that, no. and they lied about that, which I don't want to get into because it's a little right, bit spoilery, it's a little spoilery, right? but yeah, um, but yeah, talk about Raheem, like who, who is like we're saying is a like a great guy. We're on his side the whole time. But he's doing all these like little lies. He's using his son in a certain way, and uh, I, I rewatched it for because uh, it's on Amazon now. Um, he does. He says the truth is a lot. Like he, he'll get caught yeah. in a lie, and just and he'll just stop and say, "Well, the truth is," and he also swears on his child's life several times in this movie, uh, which is just like oh, people wow, are like, he's... "Why are you swearing? Why are you swearing? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about?" And I think uh, his son's name is Shavas. Uh, uh, that's a very uh, interesting character too. Uh, one, he's just completely confused the whole time. Like all, like yeah. we're saying, all these things that are happening, all these uh, truths are being thrown out, and all these people saying certain things. Uh, he's com- he's confused, and he probably blames himself somewhat because uh, they uh, ask him to like read lines or certain like do certain things. He also hears people call his dad a liar, and he knows he he's actually actually one of the few characters who saw the woman. Uh, yeah. get the gold coins so he knows this is a true thing so like it definitely really happened it definitely really happened which is like why this movie's like wow i can't like to, to make that so complicated uh, and that's why it's great like i said a lot of the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed and it's putting a lot of logic into the script of like why people would do things uh and it pays a lot of that off by raheem facing consequences of his actions like he'll come to a point where he has to make a choice and later on he'll pay for it it's uh, uh, I think I said it on the uh, year-end episode that I hope this gets uh, a script nomination because the script is absolutely phenomenal. 
Uh, at this point, I'm probably not going to get a director because that's all political bullshit. But that's hey, dude, the Oscar. Uh, look, I was talking about this with a friend of mine today. Uh, the Oscar race is fucking crazy this year. The stuff that is going to get nominated is like so insane and disconnected from anything. It's really going to be crazy. Uh, you know, I love Power of the Dog. So uh, King Richard, I think. That. Yeah, that's uh, yes. gonna get like a hundred. I mean, the BAFTA nominations. nominations came out today, uh, and also we have all the Writers Guild Awards stuff, so we could look at what's uh, more of a, a lock and whatnot uh, these days. Uh, like, I think Dune's gonna get uh, a bunch of nominations for like not just uh, uh, usually like yeah. a, a technical darling gets uh, a lot, uh, and that probably will get a Best Picture. But yeah. Uh, I think Coda has been getting more than I, uh, I mean, that movie was good. I enjoyed it. I would not have seen it if we had not done it on the show. I, I thought Uh, it would be awful and it was good. I did like it. it I didn't really enjoy it at all, but it's, it's people like it. It's it's a heartwarming movie for Uh, the whole family, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, uh, PT might get, uh, director nom for licorice pizza, which is kind of cool. Uh, but I don't know, like, uh, don't look up and, uh, House of yeah. Gucci, Gucci's still doing. Don't look shit. up House of Gucci. Um, yeah, King Richard. Uh, you got the your dumbass being the Ricardos. Belfast. The being the Ricardos, exactly. They, those those movies are going to get like all the nominations. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it really does. <laughs> we have some cool art, like uh, a hero. That'd be yeah. fucking awesome. I mean, ben, I mean, if I, can, I mean, at least I, people think Cumberbatch is going to get nominated for best actor. Oh, hundred uh, 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 percent. Ch- right? Ch- Ch- Jane's Jane. Uh, I'm going to be throw. I'm going to throw a tiff if Jane Campion doesn't win for director. Well, prepare uh, to throw. Get that tiff throwing arm ready, Caleb. Uh, she, the precursors are there, man. She's gonna. She's got. She's got. Not, it. I think she's like, got there's it. no way she's going to win best director. Why do you movie. say that? She's got all a lot of the precursor love going. Okay. All right. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, I don't love him, but I don't want Spielberg to win for West Side Story. I don't know. Villain Away might get a nomination there, too. He may. He might get a nomination for Best Director. It depends yeah, on how I many. Think, if, if Dune is honestly the movie that gets, like, you know, gets nominated for, like, get, Best like Picture, how, um, Best, you know, Best it's Actor. It's going to be, like, what's actress. it called? Uh, Dune's not going to get acting nominations. No fucking way. Um, <laughs> it's uh, closer to what, how... Uh, the greatest movie of all time, Mad Max Fury Road, got 11 Oscar nominations. Right. Then uh, that was just through a lot of technical stuff because it is a fucking technical feat. It's and amazing. so is uh, Dune. And costumes it looks great. That movie looks amazing. I mean, it should yeah, definitely yeah. win for costumes. Like, it was, they were very I creative. Know, costume is uh, weirdly, uh, like, Gorilla's, like, in a sleep, sleep, has sleepwalked to a nomination for costume. <laughs> I'm talking about costuming Oscars now. And also, like, uh, I liked the costumes in Spencer. And, oh, well, Spencer uh, was great. West Side Story, I thought. She's going to get nominated, costumes. right? Yeah, I think it's up to there. I think actress is down to uh, uh, you got your Kidman, Spencer, Francis McDormand for Macbeth. Is that no, 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 no? She's nowhere near. Uh, Denzel's gonna get it. Uh, uh, nowhere near uh, for Francis McDormand. Uh, Lady Gaga, who's been nothing oh, Lady but Gaga, campaigning. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Coleman should get it, and I think they I like that movie too. I really like that one. Chastain for that for a spot there, which is kind of weird. What movie was Chastain in? Oh, Eyes of Tammy Faye, which I believe oh, is right, streaming course, now. Oh, right, of course, right, it is. Yeah, Catherine saw it. She liked it. I haven't seen it, so. Yeah, it's because she saw it and that. I didn't. It's like we're basically never going to watch it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's directed by Showalter. Uh, Andrew Garfield's great in it. But, Showalter uh, directed Eyes of Tammy Faye? Yes. I did not know that. That's crazy. 
That's why I saw it. That's great. I like him. It's like I an Oscar like movie. The movie. Yeah. I mean, he got he directed Big Sick, which was which one, which that is, is also true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, we are talking so far. We're way <laughs> off. Yeah. So then the second movie we're going to do this week, which I think we can move on to, is it's actually only an hour and sixteen minutes, so we might keep the discussion pretty tight. Um, it is 1959's Pickpocket. Un sujet neuf. Des visages nouveaux dans Pickpocket. L'histoire d'un homme qui aimait voler et qui sacrifiait tout à sa passion. Comme voulez-vous Qu'êtes-vous Mais il n'est pas nécessaire que vous avouiez. Cela m'est égal. Un simple rapport suffit. Sur la seule fois d'un de mes hommes, vous êtes arrêté mis en prison. A criminal, a cop, a girl, simple enough. Pickpocket unfolds in a disparate way with intentional unease from director Robert Bresson. The story is simple, but the filmmaking choices from Brasson, as in many a French New Wave film, dominate the actual plot. This is a slow film built around a young man who decides to steal from innocent people. In lieu of motivation for his actions, we instead get space to contemplate those actions. Why does he pickpocket? Why does he keep on going with pickpocketing? What is he really getting out of pickpocketing? As a film, Pickpocket is not a crime movie, as its aim is something for more transcendental. It is perhaps the clearest example of a Brisson film, a Brisson film, a moralistic anti-thriller that has inspired generations of filmmakers and even helped establish the French New Wave with Jean-Luc Godard saying he saw the film 10 times before he filmed Breathless, which came out uh, not too far after. Uh, Chris, comment avez-vous aimé le film? Ah, mais oui, quel J'aime le cinéma. J'aime l'art. Uh, je pense. Uh, I don't know these words. I just <laughs> Google translated my yeah, part. Um, <laughs> what do I think about this movie? I mean, I was reminiscing about this today. Um, this was a big movie when I was a young person um, in the early 2000s. 90% of indie culture was just pretending that you were French. So, like... This stuff like this was very big. I, you know, it was very cool to watch movies like Breathless and uh, this this movie Pickpocket. Like, so yeah, I I saw this movie I don't know probably a couple times in when I was a younger person, and it is very much it is it is a very early early French New Wave movie, right? It's actually from 1959, which is crazy. Um, it's very preoccupied with this kind of uh, like I was saying, self conscious moral philosophy kind of stuff and there's all these um it's like so much voiceover um but there's so many things about it and it's very it's a very odd movie in a lot of ways it's got almost like an expressionist kind of influence because the little like the garret that he lives in you know this like insane like you know bare walls like the light bulb is hanging on wires you know and there's like one little bed and then like a bunch of dusty books it's like a crazy yeah, stage set or something um, so like, that's all very, you know, very early, cool film kind of stuff. And then, um, what I really like about this movie is there's this disconnect between the, um, the action and the kind of what we're being told about the action. And that's both, there's voiceovers that we're watching our main character pickpocket stuff. And, you know, like at the races or in the subway or whatever, and um, the whole time he's doing it, he looks like he's like like in like being tortured. Like he looks very nervous, or he looks like completely blank, like completely completely blank. And then in the voiceover, he'll be like, 
I was walking on air. I was elated. I had, I was victorious. And we're watching him just, just, just like dead eyes, like walking through a subway station, which is like pretty well done. It's amazing. It's very, very cool. And then, but then also there's things like, like there's kind of a big heist sequence, quote unquote, where there's like, he's part of this gang of pickpockets that pickpockets like every single person on a train, basically. But there's no buildup to it. And when it happens, there's no audio like at all, basically. There's no music and there's no like, there's no recap of it even afterwards. We just watch it happen like in silence and then it's over. But it's like, you're at a certain point during it, you're like, oh, I guess this is, this is cool, I guess, but it, it all kind of supports the central idea of the movie, which is like, you know, why is it, why are these people being compelled to do this? They don't seem to actually be enjoying doing it. They don't seem to be spending the money and having fun. Like, it's just, it's like, what, what is going on? What is compulsion? What is, you know, what is existing in modern society? You know, these kinds of like French new wave stuff. I'm a huge Brisson fan. Uh, uh, like in the sense that, I view movies. Uh, he helped me like build like how choices in movies a director makes. Like, and he just makes nothing but bold choices. Uh, like he strips all his flourishes out. Uh, so like this movie pickpocket, we're just getting a guy in a room. Uh, we're just getting like a, just his soul almost in the, like, like, like Chris saying, like they like they skip over a lot of big action sequences. They skip over an entire sequence of, him pickpocket like there's a scene where he travels the globe in pickpockets and that's like four seconds because we don't need to show that like it's just him uh, writing it on a letter you know <laughs> he takes away these key moments uh film starts off he's uh pickpockets at a racetrack and he's arrested uh they just say that he they don't show the actual arrest they don't show the criminal being arrested uh there's a big thing with his mother he uh wants to care for her he doesn't love her but he's being removed from her she dies they don't show that they just cut to like these, they build up these big moments and then just strip them away. Uh, it's insane. Like he's trying to create this cinema that's so focused on the actual characters. And this character's name is Michelle. Uh, Michelle. Uh, and like when he does talk about himself, like he does get arrested, he talks to the investigator. Uh, he talks about how he's special and above all these morals uh, like he's a superhuman, he's like bragging, uh, but throwing through his actions of being this like dead-eyed guy through weight and like he's more, what I think he's more he's uh, pickpocketing to feel alive, right. and he's he's like thrill-seeking, and he's also like trying to not fit in society, and this is right. his way of not he's fitting in society. He's rebelling against society, you know. He is, and that, like again, he didn't say that. It's just like what you're doing by actually watching the film because he's saying like different things and there's like, he's narrating it and he's not matching up. He's also like writing it down and narrating it. So it's like, they're giving you so much information. Sometimes they'll like cut to like him writing it down, narrating it and also doing it. We'll cut to him doing it, which is like, wow. Okay. And then, so you have to watch, which is why I really, really liked like, uh, 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 which made me like think and like put me in like a stupor. Like uh, I'll, uh, when I watch a Brisson film, uh, like he's usually always everyone calls him a spiritual director he makes quiet films that aim for these introspective moments uh, and like he's just subverting like all these established ideas of what film was at the time he's less empathetic with his characters and there's a lot less movement in action uh, and it so fucking works just through all these like 
because of the actual story he's trying to tell and all the tools that he uses. Like Chris mentioned uh, the acting. I don't know the actor's name, but this is a, a Robert Brisson thing. He never uses professional actors. He gets like models or uh, just people who look cool. Uh, it helps with that less empathetic thing. Uh, he never repeats actors too. He always uses uh, just randos. Uh, it's more blank and uh, more line reading instead of acting. I mean, it's very uh, it's not interesting. bad acting. Yeah, it's, it's just more of like a tip of the intention of what he's trying to do. It's just so interesting to look at, think of this movie as being like the very beginning of the the new wave and like the very beginning of a certain kind of of filmmaking, right? Because there are some things about it that are like structurally, it's almost a very like for as crazy and loopy as it is in certain ways, in other ways, it's like a very tight kind of like film school script. Like there's this like a detective that's hounding him. And then there is kind of, there's like a love story that is like forming the backbone of the movie. And it's all kind of stuff that isn't really necessary for, for the movie, I would say. And in some case, and it's like ridiculous that this detective is hounding him. We see him pickpocket maybe like $200 over the course of the whole movie. And we're supposed to believe like one of the top detectives in Paris is like playing cat and mouse with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't there a fucking murderer somewhere? Um, but like, you know, especially the love story, like they, the movie kind of gets around to being like completely about the love story. And I was like, I don't know. Okay, sure. Sure yeah, thing. Okay, the, well, I don't know the, why. The, but The yeah. backgrounds and yeah, I mean, to, just to look at her, her name is Jean, uh, her motivations. Uh, like, she has a kid. Uh, like, does she want to save Michael for her personal reasons of like having a family? But they're also just she watched. He watched after his mother. It's that whole like I'm going to save this troubled soul. Right. You get from her, but also like she's in the background and he's like so disregarded of her too. Yeah, it's like like I said, they take away all like big key moments, so like you're left to guess a lot. And even like the stuff he does with uh, music, like Chris mentioned, there's a lot of this silence in this film, and the music will just like come up uh, like randomly at points and there's like one shot where it felt normal uh where he used it to uh do this beautiful montage of uh of training him training to uh pickpocket it's which they do all they, they had a real pickpocket to train him he has a game in movie um but then they repeat a similar scene later on without music uh it's just like one of those things that you just felt led on by like oh cool we're having fun with it now but like we're, now we're just seeing like oh this is just more what it is this is how he gets by in life uh it's that like i said manipulating your story is so good and uh i always love how pace and editing is like i mentioned how i loved how slow uh a hero was this movie is also slow for its hour long length uh and uh, this is a thing uh uh i stole uh, uh thought i stole from uh many people who covered Brisson. um uh he shows doors a lot like for fully for several seconds, like it's not it's how it's weird. normally done. It's very weird. Uh, it makes it perfect. So like the edit in traditionally is uh, you show a door opening, show a door closing, you show people walking through the door. Uh, and that's how you like start the action starts off of he'll like hold it and then show the door opening. He does it in a lot of his films. It's makes it purposely slower. Uh, it's perverting these techniques. It's like moving out what to watch for. And it's also he's establishing his own film language and, you know, experimenting with those expectations and really what holds a story together. One, can I just say one thing I think that's really interesting about both of these movies is the way that they are like extremely naturalistic movies that are trying very hard to like capture real life. Um, but they're both like neither. They're not Italian neorealists. Like they're not out of the street with cameras, you know, in the middle of rush hour or whatever. They're all 
orchestrated. They're movies that are recreating reality so well and so faithfully that you really, really do get get lost in them. And you're just thinking about society and being alive and morals. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's really such a feat of, of filmmaking to like recreate the world so, so well. Um, and they, I mean, I know I always say this about performances, but they're both movies that feel really alive where you're like, you feel like you're in, in the world, you know? And I mean, the Brisson movie is obviously very like stilted in a certain way, but, but in its own way, it is also very much like, I mean, compared to an, another movie from the fifties, do you know what I mean? It feels very much oh, like yeah. you're out in the real world. Um, uh, but, it, but they're more... both fake. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's very, yeah. it's very, very well done. And even I think he even comments on that towards the end of the movie. I'm sorry to spoil a, a what a hold of this movie, 70 years old movie. Yeah, but, right. uh, so it, it's all this like, like I'm saying, like he's stripping all these flourishes. He's uh, uh, not having weird music cues. Even like his close ups are, uh, he doesn't really do close ups at all. Like that's the, the, the biggest tool you can have for an actor is to like show them close up. He's not doing any of that. Uh, until like the very last like 30 seconds uh uh, the english translation the character says oh john what a long road i've taken to come to you uh that's the first and only close-up in the movie and it's where he actually acknowledges that he likes the girl yeah right (laughs) and it's like oh everything i did has led to this point and uh the music comes up in sync and uh, it's the like fairly like the first first emotion in the entire movie, and it's a trick. He's playing a trick. Like I felt it. Like I felt like oh wait, I'm pushed there. Like that's <laughs> yeah, right. a, he, he gave me emotion right here. He built the moment for the audience. This is very I, weird. It's very it's, weird. I believed in the journey, and it, it's weird. Just like most movies will like do that a thousand times during it. <laughs> but just he's just doing once, it just other ones. Once. And it is really it's interesting that it's only an hour, 16 it. minutes. Like it is, it just like starts and goes, you know, and then it is yeah. over. Like it is. It's very efficient. Yeah. I've been watching uh, several of his movies on Criterion just cause like I, I, I got it. I got, I want to watch them all now. Uh, gotta catch them all now. Yeah, you got, you know, when like, it comes to Brisson sure, movies, yeah. Caleb, you do gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great, uh, speaking of Criterion, there is a great uh, Paul Schrader breakdown, uh, just him talking about uh, Pickpocket for 20 minutes. And sure, Paul Schrader talks about wild things all the time, but here he gets to talk about actual movies and was inspired by, this is how he wrote Taxi Driver. He's like, oh, this is just a guy uh, with his morals and he's like a loner dude. And so he wrote, started writing a movie that eventually became Taxi Driver it's really uh, interesting. It actually that, yeah. is so much like Taxi Driver. Now that you say that, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have. Obviously, Taxi Driver is way more uh, noir and not uh, Scorsese, uh, Scorsese directed. Uh, more flourishes of that stuff and violence. Uh, <laughs> I love Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is like that film for me. No, but it uh, is. It's very so, like it's like a guy mm-hmm. shut up in his room narrating about what's going on in the world and what where he thinks his place in it is while he's doing like weird crime stuff. All those Paul Schrader movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's actually really interesting. Yeah, I can definitely 100% see that. Yeah, yeah. Paul Schrader, who started off as a uh, film critic, uh, in, in, the, in the Criterion says, like, uh, it didn't come over to the States till, uh 10 years later in 1969. I just wrote about it for uh, two weeks straight because I didn't want to write about anything else. <laughs> That's, which is like oh i've got to so cool. check those down that's so cool the god that's so i love that paul schrader oh, that's really cool actually it is good because it is just like like you're saying it's like it's just like about a weird loner guy and his crazy ideas and while he and he's doing crime you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. 
and he's completely expressionless and he does yeah he's alienated from himself and from the rest of the world and that is a very like 70s demeanor like like i can yeah that's very cool that's very cool caleb um yeah i mean that's how uh movies take power to get inspired by other movies and i think yeah for me and all, all the movies i like probably are can be traced down to <laughs> a lot of Brazil and stuff uh, but yeah, I'm probably getting ahead of myself as we are talking about maybe our actually best choice. Yeah, Caleb, let's say you had to pick one of these movies where you had to go to jail for some indeterminate emotional <laughs> amount of time. Yeah, uh, I want to say a hero. I want to say a hero. Uh, it is uh, a masterclass movie, a be- amazing script from a, a very important director, s- someone who should be get like I mentioned all these Oscars. He should be in these talks. Uh, and you should go see him. He's getting pushed from Amazon, a, a giant corporation right now. You should go see this movie. Uh, like the whole plot of this movie, like I thought of it, like what is a good deed? Like it's the tree falling in the wood principle. Like a, a good deed just shouldn't be noticed. You should uh, just have it be. Um, but, you know, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, but I'm picking Pickpocket. It's just like it. I get excited. I was so excited to talk. Like I... I even mentioned a talk when picking this movie, like, oh, Largent actually probably fits more in tune with the actual, another, his last movie, Largent, because uh, that's about money, uh, uh, fits more in tune with the hero, but I watched it recently, so I was like, hey, I want to watch one that I haven't seen in a while, so <laughs> and Pickpocket is just, like, such a, such his movie to, to, to but yeah, I'm picking uh, Robert Brisson and Pickpocket. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I mean, obviously a hero is a very good movie. It's, it's very well acted. It's extremely well directed. Um, and then the plotting is fantastic and it has, and it has a lot of interesting things to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, pickpocket is just the like ultimate example of a certain kind of filmmaking. And like you're saying, one of the most foundational films for later, you know, for later directors mm-hmm. and that it, it's just a really, a very interesting and not like a perfect movie. Cause it is kind of weird and lumpy, but um, I it, it's a, it's just an all time classic film, and it, it's it really fantastic to to see. One thing I didn't say about a hero that I thought was interesting was getting to like seeing a movie made from the inside of Iranian society that takes things for granted that are so alien to us. Like mm-hmm. this idea of debtor's prison. I mean, like we sort of have that in America, but like not really. And then the it's idea that you debt, like get yeah. to get out of prison for a couple days every once in a while just to like hang out was also very like mm-hmm. that seemed very crazy to me. It's, it's nice, yeah, but also like yeah, it's weird. But then at the same time, it is interesting. I mean, that people say write about this a lot that there are a lot more similarities than differences between Iranian and, and, and American societies. Like, okay, this movie's about a consumerist country where it's illegal to be poor, and there are lots of bitter, small-minded people who don't believe anything they read on social media. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like america like 100 percent. yeah a uh, great director it's a uh, very uh nice of us to compare him to robert Bresson and say he holds up because it's true uh, uh so yeah go see a lot of his movies uh he's just one of the uh, uh more inf- current influential directors that maybe a thousand years from now <laughs> when time is nothing and people can look at okay. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. Caleb, fantastic to talk to you as always. We did it, brother. Good job. Yep. Goodbye. We did it. We got it. My dog's in the background. Bye.
You know what is crazy? Not I, This is speaking of people that look like Jessica Chastain. The <laughs> last episode of Mandalorian, <laughs> of the Boba Fett was directed by uh, Bryce yeah, Dallas she's Howard. Yeah, several. She's directed she's several. did a great job. It was a great episode, yeah. I thought. She's, it was, a, she's, a, she's a solid director. It was yeah, the one she's everybody a... loved. Everybody on Twitter was talking about how great it was. Yeah, because uh, Boba Fett wasn't in it. Because anyway. Boba Fett wasn't in it. Exactly. It was a Mandalorian it was... episode, yeah. 